Book 9, Chapter 4 of The Antiquities of the Jews, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay. The Antiquities of the Jews, Volume 2, by Flavius Josephus, translated by William Whiston. Book 9, Chapter 4. Chapter 4. Jehoram succeeds Jehoshaphat. How Joram, his namesake, king of Israel, fought with the Syrians, and what wonders were done by the prophet Elisha. Jehoshaphat had a good number of children, but he appointed his eldest son Jehoram to be his successor, who had the same name as his mother's brother, that was king of Israel, and the son of Ahab. Now when the king of Israel was come out of the land of Moab to Samaria, he had with him Elisha the prophet, whose acts I have a mind to go over particularly, for they were illustrious, and worthy to be related, as we have them set down in the sacred books. For they say that the widow of Obadiah, Ahab's steward, came to him and said, that he was not ignorant how her husband had preserved the prophets that were to be slain by Jezebel, the wife of Ahab. For she said that she hid a hundred of them, and had borrowed money for their maintenance, and that, after her husband's death, she and her children were carried away to be made slaves by the creditors, and she desired of him to have mercy upon her on account of what her husband did, and afford her some assistance. And when he asked her what she had in the house, she said, Nothing but a very small quantity of oil in a cruise. So the prophet bid her go away, and borrow a great many empty vessels of her neighbors, and when she had shut her chamber door, to pour the oil into them all, for that God would fill them full. And when the woman had done what she was commanded to do, and bade her children bring every one of the vessels, and all were filled, and not one left empty, she came to the prophet, and told him that they were all full. Upon which he advised her to go away, and sell the oil, and pay the creditors what was owing them, for that there would be some surplus of the price of the oil, which she might make use of for the maintenance of her children. And thus did Elisha discharge the woman's debts, and free her from the vexation of her creditors. Elisha also sent a hasty message to Joram, and exhorted him to take care of that place, for that therein were some Syrians lying in ambush to kill him. So the king did as the prophet exhorted him, and avoided his going a-hunting. And when Ben-Hadad missed of the success of his lying in ambush, he was wroth with his own servants, as if they had betrayed his ambush to Joram. And he sent for them, and said that they were betrayers of his secret counsels, and he threatened that he would put them to death, since such their practice was evident, because he had entrusted this secret to none but them, and yet it was made known to his enemy. And one that was present said that he should not mistake himself, nor suspect that they had discovered to his enemy his sending men to kill him, but that he ought to know that it was Elisha the prophet who discovered all to him, and laid open all his counsels. So he gave order that they should send some to learn in what city Elisha dwelt. Accordingly, those that were sent brought word that he was in Dotham, wherefore Ben-Hadad sent to that city a great army, with horses and chariots, to take Elisha. 
so they encompassed the city round about at night and kept him therein confined but when the prophet's servant in the morning perceived this and that his enemies sought to take elisha he came running and crying out after a disordered manner to him and told him of it but he encouraged him and bid him not be afraid and to despise the enemy and trust in the assistance of god and was himself without fear and he besought god to make manifest to his servant his power and presence so far as was possible in order to the inspiring him with hope and courage accordingly god heard the prayer of the prophet and made the servant see a multitude of chariots and horses and company elisha till he laid aside his fear and his courage revived at the sight of what he supposed was come to their assistance after this elisha did further entreat god that he would dim the eyes of their enemies and cast a mist before them whereby they might not discern him when this was done he went into the midst of his enemies and asked them who it was they came to seek and when they replied the prophet elisha he promised he would deliver him to them if they would follow him to the city where he was so these men were so darkened by god in their sight and in their mind that they followed him very diligently and when elisha had brought them to samaria he ordered joram the king to shut the gates and to place his own army round about them and prayed to god to clear the eyes of these their enemies and take the mist from before them accordingly when they were freed from the obscurity they had been in they saw themselves in the midst of their enemies and as the syrians were strangely amazed and distressed as was but reasonable at an action so divine and surprising and as king joram asked the prophet if he would give him leave to shoot at them elisha forbade him so to do and said that it is just to kill those that were taken in battle but that these men had done the country no harm but without knowing it were come thither by the divine power so that his counsel was to treat them in a hospitable manner at his table and then send them away without hurting them wherefore joram obeyed the prophet and when he had feasted the syrians in a splendid and magnificent manner he let them go to Ben-Hadad their king. Now when these men were come back, and had shown Ben-Hadad how strange an accident had befallen them, and what an appearance and power they had experienced of the God of Israel, he wondered at it, as also at that prophet with whom God was so evidently present. So he determined to make no more secret attempts upon the king of Israel, out of fear of Elisha, but resolved to make open war with them, as supposing he could be too hard for his enemies by the multitude of his army and power. So he made an expedition with a great army against Joram, who, not thinking himself a match for him, shut himself up in Samaria, and depended on the strength of its walls. But Ben-Hadad supposed he should take the city, if not by his engines of war, yet that he should overcome the Samaritans by famine, and the want of necessaries, and brought his army upon them and besieged the city and the plenty of necessaries was brought so low with joram that from the extremity of want an ass's head was sold in samaria for fourscore pieces of silver and the hebrews bought a sextary of doors dung instead of salt for five pieces of silver now joram was in fear lest somebody should betray the city to the enemy by reason of the famine and went every day round the walls and the guards to see whether any such were concealed among them and by being thus seen and taking such care 
he deprived them of the opportunity of contriving any such thing. And if they had a mind to do it, he, by this means, prevented them. But upon a certain woman's crying out, Have pity on me, my lord! While he thought that she was about to ask for something to eat, he imprecated God's curse upon her, and said he had neither threshing floor nor wine press, whence he might give her anything at her petition. Upon which she said she did not desire his aid in any such thing, nor trouble him about food, but desired that he would do her justice as to another woman. And when he bade her say on, and let him know what she desired, she said she had made an agreement with another woman who was her neighbor and her friend, that because the famine and want was intolerable, they should kill their children, each of them having a son of their own. And we will live upon them ourselves for two days, the one day upon one son, and the other day upon the other, and, she said, I have killed my son the first day, and we lived upon my son yesterday, but this other woman will not do the same thing, but hath broken her agreement, and hath hid her son. This story mightily grieved Joram when he heard it, so he rent his garment, and cried out with a loud voice, and conceived great wrath against Elisha the prophet, and set himself eagerly to have him slain, because he did not pray to God to provide them some exit and way of escape out of the miseries with which they were surrounded, and sent one away immediately to cut off his head, who made haste to kill the prophet. But Elisha was not unacquainted with the wrath of the king against him, for as he sat in his house by himself, with none but his disciples about him, he told them that Joram, who was the son of a murderer, had sent one to take away his head. But, he said, when he that is commanded to do this comes, take care that you do not let him come in, but press the door against him, and hold him fast there, for the king himself will follow him, and come to me, having altered his mind. Accordingly they did as they were bidden, when he that was sent by the king to kill Elisha came. But Joram repented of his wrath against the prophet, for fear he that was commanded to kill him should have done it before he came, he made haste to hinder his slaughter, and to save the prophet. And when he came to him, he accused him that he did not pray to God for their deliverance, from the miseries they now lay under, but saw them so sadly destroyed by them. Hereupon Elisha promised, that the very next day, at the very same hour in which the king came to him, they should have great plenty of food, and that two seahs of barley should be sold in the market for a shekel, and a seah of fine flour should be sold for a shekel. This prediction made Joram, and those that were present, very joyful, for they did not scruple believing what the prophet said, on account of the experience they had of the truth of his former predictions, and the expectation of plenty made the want they were in that day, with the uneasiness that accompanied it, appear a light thing to them, but the captain of the third band, who was a friend of the king, and on whose hand the king leaned, said, Thou talkest of incredible things, O prophet, for as it is impossible for God to pour down torrents of barley, or fine flour, out of heaven, so is it impossible that what thou sayest should come to pass. To which the prophet made this reply, Thou shalt see these things come to pass, but thou shalt not be in the least a partaker of them. Now what Elisha had thus foretold came to pass in the following manner, 
There was a law at Samaria, that those that had the leprosy, and whose bodies were not cleansed from it, should abide without the city. And there were four men that on this account abode before the gates, while nobody gave them any food, by reason of the extremity of the famine. And as they were prohibited from entering into the city by the law, and they considered that if they were permitted to enter, they should miserably perish by the famine, as also that if they stayed where they were, they should suffer in the same manner. They resolved to deliver themselves up to the enemy, that in case they should spare them, they should live. But if they should be killed, that would be an easy death. So when they had confirmed this their resolution, they came by night to the enemy's camp. Now God had begun to affright and disturb the Syrians, and to bring the noise of chariots and armor to their ears, as though an army were coming upon them, and made them suspect that it was coming nearer and nearer to them. In short, they were in such a dread of this army, that they left their tents, and ran together to Ben-Hadad, and said that Joram the king of Israel had hired for auxiliaries both the king of Egypt and the king of the islands, and led them against them, for they heard the noise of them as they were coming. And Ben-Hadad believed what they said, for there came the same noise to his ears as well as it did to theirs. So they fell into a mighty disorder and tumult, and left their horses and beasts in their camp, with immense riches also, and betook themselves to flight. And those lepers who had departed from Samaria, and were gone to the camp of the Syrians, of whom we made mention a little before, when they were in the camp, saw nothing but great quietness and silence. Accordingly they entered into it, and went hastily into one of the tents. And when they saw nobody there, they ate and drank, and carried garments, and a great quantity of gold, and hid it out of the camp. After which they went into another tent, and carried off what was in it, as they did at the former. And this they did for several times, without the least interruption from anybody. So they gathered thereby that the enemies were departed, whereupon they reproached themselves that they did not inform Joram and the citizens of it. So they came to the walls of Samaria, and called aloud to the watchmen, and told them in what state the enemies were, as did these tell the king's guards, by whose means Joram came to know of it, who then sent for his friends and the captains of his host, and said to them, that he suspected that this departure of the king of Syria was by way of ambush and treachery, and that, out of despair of ruining you by famine, when you imagine them to be fled away, you may come out of the city to spoil their camp, and he may then fall upon you on a sudden, and may both kill you, and take the city without fighting. Whence it is that I exhort you to guard the city carefully, and by no means go out of it, or proudly to despise your enemies, as though they were really gone away. And when a certain person said that he did very well and wisely to admit such suspicion, but that he still advised him to send a couple of horsemen to search all the country as far as the Jordan, that if they were seized by an ambush of the enemy, they might be a security to your army, that they may not go as if they suspected nothing, nor undergo the like misfortune. And, he said, those horsemen may be numbered among those that have died by the famine, supposing they be caught and destroyed by the enemy. So the king was pleased with this opinion, and sent such as might search out the truth, who performed their journey over a road that was without any enemies, but found it full of provisions, and of weapons, 
that they had therefore thrown away and left behind them, in order to their being light and expeditious in their flight. When the king heard this, he sent out the multitude to take the spoils of the camp, which gains of theirs were not of things of small value, but they took a great quantity of gold, and a great quantity of silver, and flocks of all kinds of cattle. They also possessed themselves of so many ten thousand measures of wheat and barley, as they never in the least dreamed of, and were not only freed from their former miseries, but had such plenty, that two seahs of barley were bought for a shekel, and a seah of fine flour for a shekel, according to the prophecy of Elisha. Now a seah is equal to an Italian modius and a half. The captain of the third band was the only man that received no benefit by this plenty, for as he was appointed by the king to oversee the gate, that he might prevent the too great crowd of the multitude, and that they might not endanger one another to perish, by treading on one another in the press, he suffered himself in that very way, and died in that very manner, as Elisha had foretold such his death, when he alone of them all disbelieved what he said concerning the plenty of provisions which they soon should have. Hereupon, when Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, had escaped to Damascus, and understood that it was God himself that cast all his army into this fear and disorder, and that it did not arise from the invasion of enemies, he was mightily cast down at his having God so greatly for his enemy, and fell into a distemper. Now it happened that Elisha the prophet, at that time, was gone out of his own country to Damascus, of which Ben-Hadad was informed. He sent Hazael, the most faithful of all his servants, to meet him, and to carry him presents, and bade him inquire of him about his distemper, and whether he should escape the danger that it threatened. So Hazael came to Elisha with forty camels, that carried the best and most precious fruits that the country of Damascus afforded, as well as those which the king's palace supplied. He saluted him kindly, and said that he was sent to him by King Ben-Hadad, and brought presents with him, in order to inquire concerning his distemper, whether he should recover from it or not. Whereupon the prophet bid him tell the king no melancholy news, but still he said he would die. So the king's servant was troubled to hear it, and Elisha wept also, and his tears ran down plenteously at his foresight of what miseries his people would undergo after the death of Ben-Hadad. And when Hazael asked him what was the occasion of this confusion he was in, he said that he wept out of his commiseration for the multitude of the Israelites, and what terrible miseries they will suffer by thee. For thou wilt slay the strongest of them, and wilt burn their strongest cities, and wilt destroy their children, and dash them against the stones, and wilt rip up their women with child. And when Hazael said, How can it be that I should have power enough to do such things? The prophet replied, That God had informed him that he should be king of Syria. When Hazael was come to Ben-Hadad, he told him good news concerning his distemper, but on the next day he spread a wet cloth, in the nature of a net, over him, and strangled him, and took his dominion. He was an active man, and had the good will of the Syrians, and of the people of Damascus, to a great degree by whom both Ben-Hadad himself and Hazael, who ruled after him, are honored to this day as gods, by reason of their benefactions, and their building them temples by which they adorn the city of the Damascenes. They also every day do with great pomp pay their worship to these kings, 
and valued themselves upon their antiquity. Nor do they know that these kings are much later than they imagine, and that they are not yet eleven hundred years old. Now when Joram, the king of Israel, heard that Ben-Hadad was dead, he recovered out of the terror and dread he had been on his account, and was very glad to live in peace. End of Book 9, Chapter 4